Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Take me to the king. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Kelly Richardson Lawson. I'm a mother, a wife, and an entrepreneur. I started the Sunrise Project after our beautiful teenage son attempted to take his own life. Truth is, I'm tired. My husband and I felt despair, isolation, and immeasurable pain. I knew in my heart we needed a place for Black parents to share their struggles find mutual support, and help our beloved children who struggle with mental wellness, addiction, or both. Each weekly podcast features an expert who shares their knowledge and takes questions from parents and children. Take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. The Sunrise Project allows Black families, like ours, to find comfort in knowing that we are not alone. While the purpose of the Sunrise Project is to share, support, and uplift, this conversation is not a substitute for medical advice. Finding the right healthcare professional for your family's specific needs is crucial. If you do not feel seen or heard, you should speak to more than one professional to find the right fit. Good morning and welcome to this morning's Sunrise Call. I'm so happy that we're all here together again. Uh, in this place where it's filled with love and compassion. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Our special guest this morning is our firstborn son, Kyle Lawson, and he so graciously agreed to be here this morning with us to share his story. So I was reminiscing on a couple years ago, we were visiting Kyle, Um, and going through a parent workshop at a place called Newport in Connecticut. And I remember looking around that parent room, just really in shock, number one, that we were there. And I was like, how did we get here? You know, what happened? What transpired over these past few years? And I look back at the two years since then. I've learned so much with the Sunrise Journey, Keith and I both have, with our Sunrise Village of Support. And what I realized is there's nothing really wrong with Kyle at all. What we needed to do was change our perspective and change our paradigm and change our parenting of this child who really just wanted to be a kid. Um, And so this morning, Dr. Linda McGee, who was our very first therapist back when Kyle was, I don't know, four or five, um, has been my long, long time friend. Is going to walk us through and just ask some questions and have a conversation with Kyle so we can hear his story. So I'm going to turn it over to Dr. McGee and Kyle right now. Good morning, everyone out there listening. Good morning, Keith. I've been on this journey with this entire family for decades. I've known Kelly since Kyle was a little baby. And so I've had the privilege of watching him unfold into the beautiful young man that he is today. And so what I wanna do today is to let Kyle talk. So Kyle, I want you to start where you wanna start by telling us why you agreed to come today, first of all, and what you want to tell us. Well, I definitely, I agreed to come today because I figured I could use my story to inspire and help other people. I'm thinking of exactly where to start because it is a long, long, convoluted story. Okay. I guess I would start in my freshman year when I was 
freshman year of high school. Yeah, in terms of like the beginning of, I guess, my depression. And okay. at that time in my life, I still, I had all A's in school. In terms of swimming, I was one of the top athletes in the country. Uh, I had a, some state records with the relay teams. It's just a bunch of little accolades that I was acquiring. And throughout the year, I remember I also had like my first girlfriend at the time. And I would have, my, some of my desires were to go out, but I felt as if I wasn't gonna participate in the things that everything everyone else was doing at the time. So it was, a, it was a struggle for me to kind of stay inside and not do all that when I felt like I wasn't gonna do it or in the, like in the first place. So. You mean I, do things like drinking and drugs and that yeah, kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 At, at first I was like super against that. I was like, I'm never gonna do that. Um, mm -hmm. Even if I am in the environment, like that was like the mindset I felt as if I had at the time, which. But a lot of kids were doing it though. Like, cause you were, you were in a super competitive high school in Montgomery County. Yeah, 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 yeah. Super common, super common for sure. Um, I don't know if as many kids were smoking weed back then, but there were definitely still kids like drinking or trying to get like older siblings or whatever to get them alcohol, whatever it may be. And I was just like not trying to do that because I was still focused on my swimming in school. But then I went through this period of time where everything was kind of too much. Just between the swimming, the school, my school is also super competitive in terms of educational opportunities and everything like that. So, you know, if I'm not taking four APs and getting A's and all the APs, I'm not like a, I'm not a smart kid at my school. It's like, or I could be getting A's in all honors classes and I'm still not like a smart kid. And it's like, that's, right. a, lot, that's a lot of pressure just going to a school like that. And it's not that I couldn't necessarily keep up because I could, and it's not, that I wasn't able to adapt to the environment. I just felt as if like that and in addition to waking up at like four in the morning and trying to push for like the Olympics or trials added together, which is a whole lot of stress for me. And I found- so the, like, ex the expectations on you in academics and swimming and being this perfect citizen, you had pressure on all sides. Yeah. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece Wick Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. I felt as if. I, I normally, especially now, try not to compare myself to other people, but I think definitely at the time, I would be like, looking at what other kids were doing, I'd be like, how, like they're, they're like, not succeeding as much as I am in school, or I know that they're being more disrespectful to their parents, like with these white parents, like I know for a fact, like I, I, I'm not talking back to my parents like this, but I'm like, I can't go out. So it was like a lot of me, and you say you started to feel depressed. Yeah. By May of freshman year, I found myself in the hospital. But it wasn't a, a like a guy got all to that place at one time. It was kind of building up over time until I just like didn't want to deal with any of it anymore. And your friend had committed suicide, JoJo. Yeah, that was early in the year. That was probably around. October. So in October, a friend of yours committed suicide at the same high school. Yes, man. And that was also really hard for me because I wasn't one of her closest friends, but I was still a close friend. And it was hard to see, especially like I'd never seen anyone close. I'd never seen anyone take suicide in general. 
but I never known the whole story behind it and felt as if I could have done something differently until that point in time. So that also was hard for me mentally because it just has you thinking like, what could you have done differently? Could, did, I, did I miss anything? Were there times when they were like trying to tell me something or they were smiling and I could have read it differently? Were there times when they were trying to talk to me and I wasn't listening? It's like stuff like that. So that was also mentally taxing for sure. I think my adjustment period was not a go. I didn't really have an adjustment period. It kind of just kept going more downhill from that. And then adding up all those, the swimming, the school, and I, I hurt my wrist so I couldn't even swim. Mm-hmm. And even though swimming was causing me stress, it was also such a heavy consistent in my life that when mm-hmm. it was removed, it's just like, if just having something removed like that, no matter what it is, like from your routine, it's not going to feel good. So it's, Kyle, isn't that the, isn't the freshman year or 14 the year you move up in classes in swimming also, like you have to join the older kids? Oh yeah, of- yeah, for sure, for sure. Start racing like adults and everything. It's just because it's the 15 to 18 or 15 and over. And for the meets, I was trying to qualify for or was swimming in like senior champs. Sometimes you're racing like 23, 24 year olds, which was also a shock, you know, going from beating everyone to kind of being at like the bottom of the pack and then not being able to like do anything about it with mm-hmm. the whole hand injury was definitely hard for me to deal with, especially being so competitive and everything that I did at the time with school, swimming, like everything, it was, it was hard. And I felt like I was just like sitting around letting my thoughts soak in my head, which is and, never good. And it's kind of weird because they're sitting right here, but what, what kind of role did parent pressure play? Your parents' expectations? I say, it, we, we talked about it, like it played, I think like a good amount of role, but I also like, in terms of, what they expected from me out of school and swimming, I think definitely the pressure was a lot for me to have to deal with. And uh, we've also been through some therapy programs. So at this point in time, it's to a place more understanding. But also at that time, I felt like they didn't, they weren't getting my perspective as much because I was like, since I, I was only 14, I didn't really have then like, I still don't have close to wisdom as they do, but I didn't have enough wisdom of, of my own that they felt that I could handle those situations completely by myself. But so I felt you were myself. trying to figure out what you wanted, but it is hard. Yeah, it was probably somewhere in between me not having like the full wisdom of, I, I've been through a lot more than I, than I had at that time now. So uh, at that point in time, I did probably need, I need, well, I did need guidance from my parents, but I didn't need like pressure, guidance versus pressure. Mm-hmm. Pressure. I think the key, Linda, is I'll just throw in, we were very much, he started showing signs that we were not uh, noticing, right? Signs of depression, signs of like anxiety. You know, I don't want to swim anymore, basically. I don't want to go to practice. And we, you know, typical Black parents, had him on this path, the trajectory, like, no, you've been swimming since you're five, like that kind of, you know, no, come on. And he was like, I'm tired. I don't want to swim at four o'clock in the morning. You know, I don't want to, and we were not willing at that time to say, okay, you don't want to swim anymore. That's fine. So the pressure just continued, I think. Keith, I wanted to see what you felt like, you know, like during this freshman year where, you know, he's now swimming at the highest level where you're competing against would be Olympians. Like, how did you feel about how he was doing and how he was progressing? Well, again, it's it's a, a perspective. So for us, um, going into the ninth grade, when he was, you know, he was still doing amazing things with his swimming. His grades were still um, really good. Um, we were looking at the opportunity versus the challenge. So we're like, man, this is a great opportunity. So he's in a, you know, top percentage of kids in his in his age group he's in the top percentage of whatever all the thinking about all of the things on the other side that all of his hard work to that point 
were affording him. And when he went to the uh, Olympics training center, for example, and came back, as opposed to, we were thinking, wow, that he's that much closer. And he came back and I'll let him talk about it, but it seemed like he came back thinking, I'm, I'm still that much, that far away. So it'd be the pressure of what we, th- what we thought was support, he, was, he felt was pressure. So we were we were just looking at okay you have great opportunities you can go to college blah 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 this is the path that we're seeing and it wasn't necessarily what he wanted right. and we didn't we didn't see it until um, you know a lot of other things that happened so I'll, I'll oh. kick it back to him so the opportunities were there but the pressures were also there on within you Kyle and then from the world around you at your high school culture which you know I'm going to reiterate is probably one of the most competitive high schools in the country. Um, public high schools in the country and the parents um, bring with them that kind of energy, not just Kelly and Keith uh, to uh, take up for my buddies. Um, So also it permeates the parenting, right? Because you're getting pressure from other parents because you see what other parents are doing and how they are pressuring their own kids. So it doesn't just come from somewhere, but Kyle, I wanna come back to you. You, the, the pressure has been building all year. You say you started to feel depressed. Like what kinds of things can you tell people where you, did you have some of the typical signs of depression? Were you sad or were you angry? You know, which is how um, depression sometimes manifests in teenagers. I think at first I was just like really, really sad. Like I just, I just didn't want to do it anymore. I, I was just like, I gave up. I literally did give up. Uh, I took 28 pills and then I woke up in the hospital and I was really mad that I woke up. I wasn't like mad. I was, I wasn't mad at like the world. I was just like mad that I was an idiot enough to survive in that moment. Mm. I I could have done anything else. So I was really upset that I was alive. You were mad that you weren't successful. Yeah. No, I said a bunch of horrible stuff to my parents. And so when you woke up, you were you were talking to them about just being mad. No, I wasn't talking. I was just I was yelling and saying like the most hurtful things I could possibly say to both my parents. So you just didn't want to be here. Yeah. I was kind of in my head, I was like. In that moment in time, I mean, it's not logical, but in that moment in time where I was being irrational with my emotions, I was like upset that I was there because of them. Mm. What happened next? Well, I don't actually remember the first half of the day, but I remember my mom said I woke up and I put like sweatpants on that were like her leggings. And I tried to walk out the swim bag. I did a bunch of stupid stuff. I don't remember the first half of the school day. But then by third period, I remember my friend was with me and he said he'd been walking me like to my classes because he could tell I wasn't okay. And so then, you went to school? Yeah, I was like a zombie. I went to school. And then I tried a different time after that. I took another 20 pills. And my girlfriend at the time texted my dad and he, and he took me to the hospital. So that's, I guess that's the time. Um, they admitted me into a psych ward and I met a bunch of people. They just have really crazy situations and problems. So yeah. that was also eye-opening for me because I never had to interact with people that had had those type of problems before. Mm-hmm. And worse, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of addiction issues, right? Yeah. And family problems. The people like getting wrapped up in straight jackets, like stabbed in the neck, like the stuff you actually see in movies. I was like, that's messed up. And I remember I sat in this little room. I had one roommate and it actually felt like a more of a prison to me than the facilities that I ended up going to later in time because I just had the, you, you do the exact same thing every day. And there's only certain times you can leave your room there's like we mm-hmm. were only there for a weekend, but then things started mm-hmm. getting progressively worse. You want yeah. to talk about that? So you so you had two times where you try to end things. So yeah. tell us about what happened next. 
I came home. I didn't have a door for a little bit, which is understandable. You mean your parents removed the door from your room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kept, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Kept, kept an eye on me. They were probably told to do that, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, did I start, I didn't start swimming right away, but I, I think I slowly got back into it. But by this, by, by August of that year, I started smoking weed. And after that, I just was smoking all the time. Like so how did you, I mean, you don't have to give me specific names, Kyle, because we're not trying to narc on anybody, but how did you get started? Where'd you get it from? Generally, was it friends? And oh, what made you start smoking? At first, I just wanted to try it. I wasn't even trying to like cope with anything. It was my friend um, from a team. And it was just after a long day, we just went back and smoked. Then after that, and over the next two months, I was smoking every day mm-hmm. and started like changing. I used to sit with my girlfriend at lunch in freshman year, started not doing that, just hanging with my friends. And that relationship ended in that year, like in that period of time. And then I just kept smoking more, doing like stupid things, arguing with my parents, um, see them taking stuff from them running out the house, jumping in cars. I wanted to ask you about the weed. One time you said to me that there was like various kinds of weed you could buy. I I, I don't know if you remember this or not when we had this conversation. But yeah. Oh, it's definitely a lot different now because now I have three friends with medicinal cards. So we just get it from like dispensaries, which is mm-hmm. all legal. But there's other kinds that you get from the street. And, where, and can you just tell us how you would get uh, it? Yeah, back that's back sophomore year. I don't really like get stuff from the streets anymore because I don't I don't trust nobody. But sophomore year, I was just like, everyone kind of has it. A lot of people here have like enough money that they can get shipments from Cali dispensaries. There, there's some that you get though that can cause paranoia. Yeah, so there's like there's diamonds. So um there's like wax batter and different types of oil that you can use, but there's also this thing called diamonds which is like 96% THC isopropes, which is, that's normally the type of stuff that would give you psychosis if you ripped it a lot. But normal weed, I feel like doesn't, they normally prescribe it for anxiety. And mm-hmm. Did it help? Did it help you to feel better, less depressed? Yeah, less- no, I was, I was definitely chilling like all the time. I was not, I mean, it didn't cure my depression because I, I still was doing, I wasn't thinking about, other people or myself when I was making my actions, like when I was doing things, like running out of the house and my mom would be calling after me and just wilding the way I was. But I, it definitely numbed it, I guess, for a while. Yeah, throughout sophomore year, I was still trying to kind of swim and hold on to that, but I, I just didn't, I guess I didn't mentally, I wasn't mentally ready to let it go yet. So I would be, smoking with my friends during the week and on the weekends, but I was also somehow trying to maintain keeping up swimming and that just like wasn't gonna work or sustain for too long. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Did your friends change? Did your friends group change? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so by February of sophomore year, I woke up in my room and there was like three big men standing over me. And I was like, who are you? Because I was like confused. In your room at home, you woke up in February of what, that will be 20 what, Kelly? February 14th of 2018. 19. 2019, you woke up in your own room at home and there were three men around you. Yeah. I mean, I was in my bed and they, they do it. So your room is already cleaned of any, like anything you can use as a weapon. There's no, 
They make sure that they give you your clothes and watch you change in front of them. So you can't bring any like devices or I, I didn't rip nicotine at that time. So I, I didn't really have anything. They'd already taken my weed stuff. And I literally, I, I just, I remember being completely confused, completely scared. And I like call up my brother's name, my parents' names. And I didn't realize with those type of programs, they're called transporters. So they're, your parents aren't actually supposed to be in the house when they come because the natural like mother's instinct or her parents' instinct would be to want to help your kid if they're like yelling or, or be, or, or to like cancel if they're like begging and crying and saying that they're going to change. But they already know that you're, you're going to do that before. So they make sure no one's in the house. So yeah, they just give me my clothes, like hold my hands behind my back and then take me into a van at like three in the morning. And then- Did I, you fight them? No, nah, not not that not that time, not that time. Mm-hmm. Different time. Can I interject something? <clears throat> I can interject something really quickly for the folks who don't really know, because you jumped in um, with the mm-hmm. sort of like they don't understand what what you're. Some people probably don't understand. So the program, yeah, as you said, is a transport program. We had been in therapy a bit at that point, and you know, leading up to the therapist. It said to Kyle on several occasions, like, you know, when you keep up this activity, what I've seen is, you know, parents will finally, you know, bring in these guys and like football players that come and get you. And I remember Kyle repeatedly saying, yeah, my parents would never do that. And yeah. He said, was, and he, said, he said, you do realize at a certain point, they're going to feel like there's no, no recourse, but to, because, you know, you're, you're doing whatever you can do as a parent and trying to in our mind, save our child. And what he's seeing it as like, yeah, my parents are not those parents and they would never do that. But so then when he, you know, when it happened, it was sort of the day after something. And he's like, oh, you could have, you know, we were just up in the middle of the night. I forget. But the point was that the way they do it is they say, yeah, you, you have to do it early in the morning so that they're not really cognizant and, you know, fully awake and mm-hmm. active. And they, you know, they'll bring a, therapist kind of a guy and two other guys like a bigger guys in case it's a um confrontational situation to pick you up and they transport you to a facility and then i want to ask you and kelly for a second keith i'm going to stick with you one more second at this point we went directly to the transporter but what happened what made you decide that you were going to send him away for treatment there's so many things at this point that it had uh, they all sort of blend together for me, but it had, it had been several incidents of, you know, him like climb, he had climbed out of the window, jumped out of his window with his, he said he had surgery with his, um, with his, um, we had an au pair at the time and, you know, she just heard a loud thud because it's the second floor, jumped down, you know, and she just saw him in the bushes trying to, um, sneak out and jump in a car and drive away. This time he particularly, I think he went back, right? That time? Yeah. Yeah, she talked to me to going back, but it, it kept going. The, the line kept moving further and further down the road between that and, you know, stuff at school. Jumping in the cars. We didn't know who he was with. Not coming back till the next day. Oh, I know what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, what really, what it really realized that it was getting really bad. His friend group started to change. He had a bunch of friends that we really liked. We knew their families or whatever. They wanted a swim team and such with them. Really great kids and good friends. But I think once his um, activity started to change, he didn't want to be around those guys because I don't know, he can tell you how he felt about it, but he didn't want to be around them at that point. And I remember one night he went out with somebody who was supposed to be going to a hockey game or something. And I was supposed to pick him up. And it was pouring down rain and I went to get him. He wasn't where he said. And then he just disappeared. And then um, just the first time I met this one kid and he disappeared and he was gone. Like didn't come home at all. I think Kelly, you weren't home. You're out of town. And to the point where I had to call the, the police to go look for him. And they found him at one of his friend's house and looked like he got arrested. They basically put cuffs on him and brought him back home. So it's gotten to that type of thing where he would just go and disappear. We didn't, we wouldn't know where he was, and he would come back clearly under the influence of something. Okay, so Kyle, I want to just ask you how was how did you feel at this time? Like, do you feel like things were spiraling out of control? Yeah, for sure. I, I didn't care about anything or anyone really. I was just kind of doing whatever I wanted. 
And when they came to get you, what happened next? You get to this facility and does it hit you that your parents have actually sent you away? Well, first I was like, I was like telling them, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna crash your car while we're driving. Or like, I'm gonna I'm call you, like, I'm gonna start like pretending like y'all kidnapped me and this stupid stuff. And they were like, not by, they've definitely dealt with all that before. And then I was like, asking for a phone call and they said that I wouldn't get one from them and that I would get one when I got there. So that the only thing that actually pissed me off was that, because then when I did get there, they dropped me off. Or at this cabin, I hadn't walked into the woods yet specifically, but it's right that every, everywhere is trees where they dropped me off. And I got out to speak with this therapist, and they drove away. And I asked her for a phone call, and they're like, "We don't do that here." So I just had to. I got my backpack and all my equipment. Someone hiked me a few miles out into the woods, and then I met the group that I was going to be with, and then I was with them the whole time. We just I had to learn the wilderness stuff, which was starting fires, waking up at the start of every morning, and walking a few miles to for the water run so we could find the nearest stream to get water so we could filter it to have water, or dry stick runs. We're making sure that our tarps were set up right so when it rained, we wouldn't have to start a completely wet wood fire. Like we'd have some dry wood to dry off the other wet wood and to learn about all the different types of sticks and everything. Our bow drill set, I had to carve a rock with a piece of quartz to be able to make the hole, which took like a few weeks. And then we have to find a specific type of tree called rhododendrium, which is like red, it has a curve to use that as your bow. And then you, use like bark to make tender bundles and make them into hay like you grind them so they're dry enough to be hay and that's like your your string of your bow and then you you have a log that you have you cut a log down until it's a little stick with a quartz rock mm-hmm. and then that's your set and then you make holes like that onto a leaf so were they helping you with your emotions with is, is that time where you Oh, we able also, to talk about what how you were feeling and start to work on some of those issues. Um, we we did have this thing called honor circle around the fire every night. So we we would whenever we'd have, I guess it would be after we ate, we would talk about. I guess it'd be different. But we normally would talk about what we did every day, like what we could work on the next day. But sometimes we share. A lot of those kids had some uh, crazy yeah. stories. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just, I learned a lot. From Did that. you feel like that you were different from them? That you, you didn't have those issues and that were as you know, bad? Because a lot of those kids were court ordered and there was like, I'm not going to say their names, but pyromania, credit card scammers, drug dealers, gun dealing, a lot of stuff like that. A lot of stuff I can't mention. And I just like, I, I was grateful to have my parents in my life, not have to worry about my mom being in rehab or my dad not being in my life, like a lot of the other kids had to worry about. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the times they would get letters and the therapist would black out certain lines of the letters so the kid wouldn't have to see the bad part that their parent wrote them. We had to write letters. That was the only way we could communicate, no phone calls. So he was there for six weeks and um, we wrote letters every week back and forth. And what did you write in your letters, Kyle? Oh, the, the most of them at first were just like, get me out of here. Like, please get me out of here. And then turn into a lot of me reflecting and realizing like what I was grateful for back at home. And it just makes you appreciate like the little things like not having a shower ever or not having clean food or like having to clean your own water, having to hang your food in bear bags from the bears or not looking in a mirror was probably the weirdest one for me. If a counselor caught you trying to look in a stream or something, you'd have like a day by yourself on the expo, which to someone was never worth it. And it's just little things like that I didn't realize that I appreciated because you get so used to having them at home. Then when I did go away, I was like, I wish I had appreciated those little things more when I was home. Mm-hmm. So being, having those men come, I understand was a huge issue and still remains a big issue with you being taken away with your parents. 
Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have gone if they took me to, to be clear. But I, I, so it makes sense. But I just, I, of course, don't feel good about three random men. It's just because I couldn't, I, I was, I was powerless in that, in that way. And I couldn't do anything because the only thing I could have done, they were more powerful than me. And Linda happened two more times. So we did the trails was the yeah, first place. I, I, I was, oh, I'm I was, sorry, go ahead. All right. So that was by the end of my wilderness experience, I was, I was able to go home on some terms of a family contract. However, in that situation, I felt as if I was also forced into that contract because it was my options were to go to a therapeutic boarding school for another nine months or to sign the contract. So mm-hmm. I signed the contract to get out of there, but I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't want to agree with who I could hang with and those portions of the deal. So then I, I came home and I vent, I didn't smoke at first. I, I ended up getting a nicotine device, but then I ended up going back to smoking. So you signed a contract saying that you wouldn't smoke. Yeah, 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 yeah. In order to avoid boarding school or therapeutic boarding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or hang out with those same people. Yeah, 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 yeah. We had limits on who he could hang out with. We were like, no non-supportive friends. Because we were trying to define who his friends were. It's also not okay, but just sharing more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Kyle, you went through a series of going in and out of these kind of programs. Can you can you tell us if you thought that they helped? Yeah, I was going to say um, the next place that I went to, I think, helped me probably the most because I, at that place, I had therapy every day. So I got to talk to a therapist every day. And it was also different types of therapy. It was a lot more sharing. And the, that's, that place was called Newport Academy. I went to there in, in September. Yeah, you went to their residential. They have a residential program in Connecticut. They also have yeah. uh, programs in, in the Maryland also. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. outpatient. Yep. Mm-hmm. Say so that one. Uh, that one was actually really helpful. I think wilderness more scared me into not wanting to ever do anything to end up in a situation that that like the kids were describing. Mm-hmm. But Newport helped me with my communication skills and being able to talk to my parents because I. Even before when I was, we weren't agreeing, I still could have been open. I just wasn't, like, with my parents. And I wasn't trying to get to a point where we could reach an agreement. I just, like, wanted to do everything my way. So when I went to Newport, I met a lot of kids who just had a lot of impulse control problems and authority issues. We have to live with those kids, and you all have to deal with the same type of authority and all have have to have the same therapy and everything then it's like I'm not the only one that that hates this Mm -hmm. but I also don't feel like I don't deserve to be here because like in that situation so I I feel like I, I fit in more with them and it was just good because I was able to reflect a lot more on myself and how I messed up as opposed to just blaming my parents the entire time And even though I still was trying to smoke and everything, I was able to realize that when I had gone away the previous time, the people that I had said were my friends at the time, like didn't even write me. The, some of the people that I was hanging with at this time, at least were like trying to call me. It was mainly, mainly the realization for me that I didn't have a group of friends before that would have put in the effort to write a letter and mm-hmm. send it to me even though I was out there doing what I was doing at the time. So Kyle, even though you were going in and out of treatment, you managed to hobble together and finish high school. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a struggle, but yeah, for sure. It was uh, a long and expensive struggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Keith, I can't hear you. Can you come just a little bit closer? I said it was a long and expensive struggle because we had to, between um, coming out of Newport and trying to get him into the Newport Day School here, we we did a program with um, Fusion Academy, which is a one-on-one school, which is actually 
pivotal in a couple of ways because one, he was able to get his work done without distractions because he's super smart, but it's just getting him to focus on stuff. So it, it actually helped buoy his, his grade point average back up because he was getting straight A's. And part of the things that, that he learned there, they had a music production class, which is a whole nother thing that sort of gave him something to sort of um, focus on that he liked. So Kyle, did you and your family, did you still think that you were on this track to sort of go the Whitman way, go to college? And what were you thinking? Yeah, I, I, I still thought I was going to be able to do it. I kept being like, I'll, I'll clutch up, but I don't know if it was, if it was. Uh, when you say clutch up, confidence. you mean you'll get it done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh, I uh-huh. entirely confidence all the way around that I was going to be able to do it, but Thanks to my parents, I was able to do it. Thanks to their support. Because a lot changed after I came back, even though I was still doing a lot of things that they didn't necessarily like, or like, obviously they're not like supporting me, smoking, everything like that. But I was able to talk to them. I still obviously made a lot of mistakes in that that following year like I still got sent away another time after that which I'll talk to you about because that that was probably one of the crazier stories mm-hmm. but I was just able to at least get to a point where I felt like I could talk to them more and it's gotten better over time so you want to tell us you want to tell us about that experience before we sort of ask you about your lessons and things that you learned the, the third that experience where you were sent away where you said that was crazy Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the last time I got sent away, January. it was, yeah, January. 2020. Mm-hmm. And I think my dad's mom had just passed. And I was really upset that time. I, like, I tried to get away. I, like, remember my, um, I had my jacket on, and they had both my arms. And I was just trying to elbow them and get away. I was like, I was trying so hard to mess them up. And I got in the car. I tried, like, like I actually, because it was a long suburban, so I couldn't get away either way. They like, shoved me into it. So I tried to run, run through the suburban to get to the other side and get out, and it was locked. So then the guy just came around and tried to put me in a headlock. So I was just elbowing him, elbowing him. And then they ended up getting me, and I got there. But I was not trying to stay this time. So mm-hmm. I, I called my brother. This was a place where they made the mistake of giving us like calls whenever we needed. So I like called my little brother, had him go on my Snapchat, get one of my friend's numbers from an old place I had been to, called him, called his mom to get his number because he didn't have his phone. His friend ended up coming and we went to AA meeting. So I knew like the street numbers down the street. He came at a certain time, a specific time on Friday, picked me up. I ran, I, I like, I kept going to the office a few times a day. So I would know where like every camera was in the place. And there was just one place in the basketball court where there wasn't. So I threw the ball. I pretended like I lost the ball into the woods there. And then I ran through, got in the car and they didn't know I was gone for like, until I was in a different state. And mm. then I took a bus from Boston to New York. And then I ran out of money. And then I had to get a bus from New York back to DC. And then I ended up in East DC. I got picked up. And then I woke up at my friend Bo's house to his mom being like, the cops are outside free. And then I went, they took me to the station and they were like, you can either go to a juvenile detention center or you can go back to the place. Because when you when you go to those places, your parents sign custody over to those places. Mm-hmm. So they technically own me still. And I was just like, I'm, no. So they, my, they got my mom to come in. And this detective came in with a top hat. It was right after my grandma died. And he was like, I've seen a lot of black people either get arrested or not go to school or not be as successful as they wanted to be. And he was like, I want you to be part of my 10%. So I'm not, I'm not gonna send you back to those places. And I am gonna call your mom. So he just, he made sure my mom came in and I got to leave that day. After that, I, I went back to school. I, I saw it as like 
my grandma looking out for me. So I ended up getting to go back to school and worked out a lot of things with my parents, started talking about my music and my focuses and my dreams and stuff. Doing, I mean, I still was doing a lot of things I was doing, but I was putting in a lot more effort into communicating about where I was and what was going on with me. So you're in Atlanta now. Yeah. Tell us about that. You're living independently? Yes, I am. I like it a lot. A question just came in, Kyle, about, well, first of all, everybody's praising you in the comments and the chats about how intelligent, articulate, and just what a beautiful young man that you are. And one of the questions that's come in is, what do you need from your parents right now? And, And what, how do you feel about their decisions and what they did when you were in your high school years? I mean, you can't, you can't get the time back, so I'm, I'm not too impressed about anything either way anymore. I just like, at the time, I was I was upset because I wanted to do other things or like, I, like no one wants to be sent away, especially at the first place. But I, de- I did learn a lot from those places and I wouldn't be where I am or who I am if I didn't go to those places. So I, mean, I don't regret it. I, uh, and I also don't regret the fact that we have better communication now and that my parents support my, me and my music dreams. So I just, all, all I really ask for them, from them is their support and then I give it. So I don't, I don't really ask for too much. Linda, can I, can I add something here for, um, just for perspective for a lot of parents? So I saw a couple of comments go by, but a lot of parents in reference to this transport facility and, and these outdoor programs, et cetera, is that from the parent perspective, what Kyle didn't see and what I know parents are wondering, like how, like, how are you feeling at that moment? What Kyle didn't see um, in terms of how we got to the space where we had to have someone come and pick him up was how like catastrophic an effect it had on like, Kelly was reduced to a baby. She was just like, she, we were supposed to leave the house and she wouldn't leave and it was it was a mess. And she went and hid in a closet down behind a couch and just, it was awful. And I remember calling my sister, my older sister, who's um, also one of my good friends. And I was hysterical. She thought somebody had died. She literally thought somebody died. She was, and she started crying. She didn't even know what's happening. I was like, they had to take my baby away. Yeah. We talked about how it impacted Kyle, but it impacted the entire family. Kyle, I want to ask you about like, what are you, what's your dreams for now? Because now you're in a position where your parents don't get to weigh in, but tell us about where you want to go. What are your dreams for yourself? That's a good question. I'm really, really passionate about music and I see myself being a star in the industry over time. I'm just manifesting and it's manifestation and hard work. So I want to be at the top. And I'm going to put in the work. What, what have you learned about how to get there? Kindness, connections. Kindness. Is that what you're saying? Kindness. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and do you feel like you're more connected with Kelly and Keith, your parents, right now? Yeah, yeah. I should probably call them more, but we'll, we'll talk about it. me and mom we'll talk about the Browns and me and dad will talk about basketball and stuff like that it's cool we'll talk about some tv shows sometime you're learning how to relate to them now more as an adult mm-hmm. is it harder out there on your own than you would have thought I think like I didn't I underestimated how much I appreciate my parents cooking <laughs> for sure it's not about being able to go get cornbread at your at your at your parents' house, right? Or a, a meal, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, man, yes, man. And what about taking care of yourself economically? How how is that? It's okay so far. It's okay. The commute to work is a bit much sometimes because I have to. I walk like twenty minutes to the metro and then take the metro and then there's another thirty seven minutes when I get there. And sometimes I just want to uber and i when i first got there i was ubering a good amount which was just like not working in terms of budget so budget yeah i'm, I'm just i'm adjusting it's an adjustment period. Well, i mean you're used to uh you're used to a bethesda budget right yeah. <laughs> and, uh, 
you're on you and mommy budget and now you're on daddy budget and now you're on your own budget yeah. right that's a different ubers aren't included in that a, a lot anyway yeah. is there one thing that you wish you would have done differently yeah yeah be uh definitely uh, uh, one thing a lot a lot uh i wish i was more open with my parents from the beginning and that i had communicated more uh-huh. i wasn't so stubborn with what i wanted to do especially like little stuff that like, didn't really matter at the time or stuff that I could have done later or especially so like, like sometimes I'd be running out to smoke weed or something I would literally was about to do it the next day anyways like I don't I don't it did it doesn't make sense a lot of the stuff I was doing on top of it being you and are you getting support like in terms of mental health right now I'm not seeing a therapist right now currently mm-hmm. I, I, we've been talking about I do need did definitely see a therapist. I um you know that's my mantra, Kyle. <laughs> you, you gotta talk about it or you act it, you continue to act it out. I kind of took a break from it for a little bit. Just uh-huh. like I, I had a lot of there. If the average person went to therapy like once a week for a year, that's 52 times. So if I'm in a, a therapy place for 60 days and I have therapy every day. That's a year of therapy drilled into my head. And then if it's like two more places after that, and then like PHP is just like four hours of therapy and four hours of school. So if I do it like a few weeks of that. So you, you're therapied out for now? Yeah, I'm like, I don't, te- like, compared to the average person, I'm like 14 years ahead in terms of that. So I'm, I don't know. I, I, I'm definitely taking a little break. Cause I, I was just, I just felt like I was in a situation where I was like forced to do it, so I, I haven't gotten right. back to a place where I've wanted to yet. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to want to, or that I won't. I, I just think that as you unfold, the world is still out there for you, Kyle. You're so young still that you can make the decision to look at where you want to go and what it takes, and do whatever you want. Oh, I think he well, I do want to say, um, like today, we didn't we didn't have anybody asking any questions, and I just wondered if there was, if you guys would bear with it, if there was any like actual person or the, yeah. you know, give one or two questions in, if you don't mind. Of course. Said thank you. Any questions? Hi, and good morning, Lawson family. Kyle, you are amazing. I'm like over here crying real tears, just looking at you expressing your truth. And I don't even know you, but I'm proud of you as a young man of color. I think you would be a tremendous support to other young men and young women your age, because you're living your truth. You've been through a journey. You're still going through it, but look at yourself, young man. Look at yourself in the mirror and pat yourself on the back and give your parents a big hug because you are so impressive. I'm very proud of you. And I'm just wondering, have you thought about um, doing just that, you know, uh, reaching out, maybe talking to small groups on an ongoing basis because you have a wonderful story to share of recovery and, you know, you're keeping on moving on. So what do you think? I have thought about it. I haven't put any steps into action or anything like that but i definitely have thought about it. and thank you so much for the compliments i really appreciate it. absolutely and thank um you. someone wants to know and you can answer this if you want if you're um if you're either smoking or are you on antidepressants i was on duloxetine for a while which is an antidepressant i haven't been on it in about eight months and i am still smoking it's medicinal marijuana all from the dispensary. That's just like yeah. what my friends smoke. I, I I don't do it to just go out and like get super high or whatever anymore. Now it's just kind of like more of an anxiety thing. It just like keeps me calm. And I, I'll say this uh, from from the standpoint of parents, we thought like we've been so um, anti anything, um, but when we really thought about what while while being anti-drug, anti-everything like that, he was still um, on medication and, 
basically taking drugs to deal with the same thing that he was um, using the marijuana to deal with. And at a certain point, it became like, is it, which one is worse at this point? Mm-hmm. You know, the various, um, you know, pharma that he's been given that we, we had to sort through. One of them made him feel totally numb where he had like no emotion. We had a mood suppressant plus an antidepressant. And, you know, instead of having all that in the system and him, you know, smoking marijuana, we had to slowly adjust to that was probably where he wanted to be. Like I've been so anti because of my upbringing and having to sort of sort through the Baltimore situation where everybody's on drugs and crack and stepping over those type of people just to survive in the world and never doing it. I'm like, I've had all of these temptations. So I was so far against it and not because I wasn't exposed to it, but because I was super exposed to it. Like my brother sell weed out of my house. Yeah, makes sense. And I always said, I don't want you in this situation. We both said, we like, you're a black man in Bethesda. You're six one, athletic. You're running out of the house in middle of the night in the hoods. You're gonna end up in jail in a car with some people. And at a certain point, that even happened. And I said, everything we're doing and everything we said was gonna happen has come to fruition at this point, with the exception of you getting physically harmed. So at that point, it's like, what we're doing here is, is pressuring you in a way that's probably not helpful. And we need to take a different approach, is, mm-hmm. which is sort of where we are now. Kelly, the question came in about how do you feel about Kyle living on his own? And are you helping to support him? Right. So a big part of Sunrise in the last 90 plus calls has been really learning to, as a parent, right, learning to support their dreams and their visions, even though it might not be what we had envisioned when he was a little boy, but his dream is his dream and it's valid. So yes, uh, we decided in September when he graduated from high school, did what he was supposed to do. He said he wanted to live in Atlanta to work on his music. And we said, you know what? If he was going to college, we would take him to college, set up his dorm room, get it all set, do our goodbyes and be gone. And he'd be on his own. So we said, he's not going to college and that's fine. That's his choice, but we still should help him get a start. So yes, flew to Atlanta with him, helped him find an apartment and 100% supportive. In terms of the financial piece of it, we cover his rent only. He covers everything else. So, you know, getting to and from work, as he said, he works a job there. It's like an hour and a half commute. Um, So he's figuring that part out. He's paying his bills and we are absolutely supportive and trying to help him, you know, with connecting him with folks to help him with his dream. So that's where we are. I will say I love that People have been touched this morning. Thank you for sharing. And uh, thank you, Dr. Linda, for being here and for everybody for being here this morning. Thank Thank you, you. Kyle, for sharing. And I'm going to turn it over to Kelly Chapman for our closing prayer. Father God, we come to you today giving you praise and honor for you are worthy of it all. As many of us gathered with our friends and family this weekend, we thank you that we made it another year. And today we give thanks for our sunrise sun the son of Keith and Kelly, and most importantly, your son, oh God, of whom you take great delight. We thank you for his parents who love him and whom have shown care, concern, patience, financial support, and correction as needed. Today, we lift up Kyle before you, oh Lord. We thank you for this amazing young man and for his heart of transparency. We thank you for his calm, kind spirit and for his high level of self-awareness. We thank you that he took time out of his day to share with other parents and kids today. We believe that he is a living testimony. We also recognize that he is still on the path of growing, learning, and finding his way. But we thank you that he can do all things through you who gives him strength. Finally, we thank you, Lord, for your unfailing love for all of us, for the parents and caregivers on this call and the children that they love. To you, O God, be glory, honor, dominion, and power forever. Amen. 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 Thank you for that, Kelly. And thank you, everybody, for being here today with a special Sunday with Kyle. And thank you again for being here and being so supportive of us and our entire Sunrise family. Have a beautiful day and a great week. I'm Kelly Richardson Lawson, and you've been listening to the Sunrise Project podcast. You can follow Sunrise wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, open your podcast app and follow this show. Join us next week for another gathering of support. Thank you for listening. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental wellness challenges, contact your doctor, 
NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or both. You can reach NAMI's helpline at 800-950-6264, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or email at info at Volunteers are working to answer questions, offer support, and provide practical next steps. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.